God's not taking something away from you. He's trying to lift up another place for you. Remember, this is the year of movement. Movement is about place, changing place, posture, and what? Position. Well, we all want to get to the position, but we've got to sometimes move our place. Man, when he said, I want you to go to the ministry and worship for, you know, from 5.30 to 8, I was like, okay, I, I really pretended like I didn't hear it. No offense. <laughs> I mean, because I'm human. I, I don't stand up here and say that I do it perfect, but I love sharing my testimony because hopefully it reaches out to somebody else and what they're being called to do. And then Gene said something to me about the office. You know, he said, Kay, don't you think she'd be coming in the morning? Like he knew I wasn't even talking. He knows so much. It's incredible. So, and when you want to avoid him, that's when he's checking it out. <laughs> you want to avoid his office. But anyway, I knew it. And you know what? But once I committed, the first week was hard. The first week was hard. I can get up and worship, stay in my jammies, have my coffee, rock in my bed, sing, have the Holy Spirit, the, the cloud. We, I, me and my room, it is a sanctuary. People are afraid to walk in my room because it's like there's guards at the door, right? But I like it. I couldn't believe it. I did notice a change. After I came back from King Jesus, I couldn't get what I normally got. And then I was sensing I was supposed to come in here. And then all of a sudden, like I said, I was starting to feel what? Tormented. Because when a grace weans in one area, it will only come on you when you step into the next place. Now, I really want everybody to think about this. That doesn't necessarily mean a job. It could mean a job. It could mean, you know, um, just your, what, what do you, what is in your physical routine that you do normally that God might be asking you to move to a different kind of routine? And only you know what the Holy Spirit tells you. I don't know what, I just know that we, this ministry the enemy wants to take our strengthening period and weaken it. All right. But I'm speaking, I am speaking into the atmosphere that he is going to keep comforting, nurturing, and building up that strength yes. so that people can hear where they have to posture themselves. I have to posture myself here now. If God wants to come visit me, he's going to come visit me here. And he's already proved it to me. It took time. I mean, I was in here. And then all of a sudden now when he shows up, he shows up. I mean, and Friday... He did not leave all day long in here, all day. It was so powerful. So just think about why, because it's just following what? Instruction. He's visiting me differently here because he asked me to be here. So I want everybody to think about that. That doesn't mean he's asking anybody else to do that. You have to ask, what is the little place of change that he's asking me to just shift a little bit? How many people know that they're supposed to have some little shift going on in their schedule? Good. God should be speaking because if you don't know, just ask. It could be something so simple. But think about it because he's working through people. He works through people. When it's time for God to manifest his blessing, that means darkness has to what? Increase. Okay. So I want you to think, when darkness increases, what's happening to you? Anything from your old nature starts to arise. If you used to be irritable, you're going to start feeling what? Irritable. If you, um, if you have old friends you wanted to rely on, you actually start finding yourself migrating to those old friends. You know what I mean? Or if you have, um, you know you're not supposed to be doing something like going out every night with your buddies. Do you know what I mean? What's going to happen? The buddies are going to be calling what? All the time. So I want you to think about the things that God is changing because we're all going to a new level. Everybody sitting in here is all saved. Everybody sitting here is filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody sitting here 
belongs to this ministry. That's why we're sonship. So I want to motivate you because the enemy gets us in strengthening through persecution. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about persecution because we feel in when he's building us up in strength, the enemy comes and he wants to come through temptation to get you off the path. I already talked about it in the one Sunday, in the one Saturday service. Remember the enemy comes like light and tries to dangle the carrot to pull you off of doing how, and what are the things we're saying? If God asked me to come in here and not to stay at home now to do my morning worship, then what would be the carrot? Me having appointments at eight o'clock every morning. So I would want to stay home and not come here. Right. I would wake up. I would wake up like at six o'clock late. I, I had one morning. I woke up at five twenty-two, and I was like, Oh, I got to get over the ministry, <laughs> you know, in the first week. But what was the temptation hitting me to what? Just stay home. You know what I mean? Think about it. Voices enter our soul. We, there are voices. If you're in tune to the spirit to get to the third heaven, you have to break through what heaven f- first, second heaven. When you get into that second heaven, you know, you're in it because you're hearing everything negative, everything telling you you're doing it wrong. Everything telling you you're not going to get the blessing. Everything that God could tell you to do something. It's telling you that it's telling you the complete opposite, just as hard as the instruction of God comes to you. And remember the window is coming. What? blessings start coming after the last three months of the year. That is the ingathering season in the spirit of God. So we're coming down to September, September. I mean, that's the the tail end. So the enemy wants to come steal, kill and destroy whatever he's got going for you. But I want to encourage everybody. I've said this before. Everybody is going to receive something. Do you know what I mean? Nothing. We, God never gives you nothing for nothing. So when I kind of start thinking that, I start thinking I'm not such a loser. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, I'll still get something. And then it starts changing me to be more motivated to continue doing what he's doing. Because I know he's not going to take it all from me. How many people have just felt when you just know it's going to be all taken from you, just give up? How many have you given up? Yeah. When you feel like it's just all done and you just can't take it anymore, you just want to give it up. Well, I'm going to tell you, everybody gets something, but this ministry is to help coach you to get the fullness of what God has for every season. We don't want to see anybody missing it out, and we, but we can't walk it out with you. We're in a time of transition for this year that now a leader can't do it for you. They can't tell you the answer. They can't do it. It's now, watch what's manifesting in you. I want you to really start judging yourself every day. We can judge ourselves. Really judge yourself. What's manifesting in me that's not Christ-like, that the enemy's using to pull me away? All right? Don't let yourself fall because we have a vision. If you can put Habakkuk 224 really quick, I want to remind everybody this because a vision is only in place to help you hope. It's to keep your eye on something. I think, you know what the most beautiful thing is about what we've learned this year? I've, and I've learned how I've misused the fullness of the word harvest. Because when the Lord revealed to me, harvest is about what you, our main harvest is what we sow. And we do have a harvest that we receive, but it starts with what? Sowing. Man, when we sow into the spirit, I mean, I'm on, I'm on high in here now. <laughs> I mean, I am on like, I can feel the Lord doing some, I'm doing the last bit of sowing before the next season comes, whatever's coming into the ministry. Well, a vision helps keep us focused on that sowing time, on that receiving time, on that relationship. Remember, those who are going to receive the most 
are those who are really pursuing God's love. I want you to think about pursuing God's love is the most important thing. Not pursuing what the, what the blessing is going to be. Not pursuing what we want personally, but pursuing his love. When he tells you to change directions, if you do it out of love, like you're having an affair. Get this, right? Friday, he came so strong. You don't think I didn't run in here Monday morning? I was here early <laughs> thinking, I want just what happened Friday, like an affair, right? We, we have to treat our experience like that, like you are running to an affair. You know what I mean? Something that's fresh, that's new, and it keeps you drawn to keep going. We do have to think of it like that because we do get weary. It's normal. But when you get that little touch, and I'm telling you, I was, talk, I was talking to him Thursday night. I was like, Lord, I just, I, I just need to have a, I need something else. I'm, I am needing something else. And boy, Friday, when it showed up, it was really awesome. And I was so thankful. That's what made me run to be here early on Friday. So this week, it's been like buzzing for me, wanting to get the same experience as last Friday, because if we know to expect from him, he is going to do it. He really is going to do it. He's going to show up like a surprise. But talking about vision, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. If the Lord told me to, here's a vision. If he told me that I cannot worship at home and I had to come worship here, I, what did I do? I wrote it out. I spoke it out. I started making it something that I had to be accountable for. When God gives you something, you can write it out and you can make yourself accountable to it by writing it out, by telling the Holy Spirit, help me, help me. I am writing, I'm making this clear. If you want to be debt free, you can write all your debt down, put it on there. And that is you are making it a vision, something in Christ to keep your eye on. And now it's got to match up with the word. I mean, and it's got to be something that God has already revealed to you for the season. One of the things the Lord showed me is every year he gives you something he's going to renew in your soul. You've got to be able to identify it. And boom, when you identify it, now you're not asking amiss. In James, it says we can ask amiss. We can actually ask the wrong questions. We can ask for the wrong things. But if you ask him, what it is, and he shows you that change in you, even though you don't feel that change, you've got to hold that vision. You've got to write it out. I am healed. I am debt free. I am, you know what I mean? Is God. All right. So when we write, I am your God is, he sent his son to be our what? our healer, our redeemer, to make us whole. So there's something we're all going to come into another level whole. But we've got to make it plain. When God gives it, write it out. That he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. When you write it down, you know it has an appointed season to receive. For the vision is yet for that appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. This is so important. When it's time for that to be received, there is no time. You get out of time and glory, eternal time comes. And you, and it's, let, we call this a ministry of transition because it's transitioning the church age into the kingdom age. But everybody has to go through being reborn in this concept of renewing the mind. You know what I mean? We can stay in church and play church all day, but to actually have your mind be transformed, all right, you have to go through 
Uh, it, you're going through a process just like a woman being pregnant, you know. And I'll tell you, the thing is, the church has too many C-sections, too many birthing people before just because they've already been identified in their gift. And we can't, character has to catch up to our gift. Our gift is always going to do great things for us, even in the in darkness. But our character, and who's our character? Christ. If we can keep that Christ-like character as our hope, every time you fail or you stumble or the enemy gets you off the block, just go to John 1, John 9 and at, confess the fault, ask for forgiveness, and do what? Move on. Don't look back. Because he wants us to be like that. He doesn't want us to hold on to our past. He doesn't want to hold on to this week's attacks. He wants us to move forward. So if you felt you missed it this week or you missed an attack, you just ask for that. But you hold on to that what? Vision. Hold on to that vision of what you're receiving this year. It says, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by faith. That means the only way for us to be just is to live by what? Faith. You know, God may ask us to put things in order. But the thing that moves him is our faith. And then when our faith hits the right meter, boom, grace just kicked in to give you something in time that you could have never received in, in time, in the normal time it would take to do it. I want everybody to be that excited. I have so many testimonies of what the Lord has done for me in different things and has changed the, his time. He actually, it's amazing. It's like he stopped years for me to be accelerated in years of this. Do you know what I mean? He took, he took one year and cleared a debt that would take somebody years, even a lifetime, if you think about it. If you really think about what was on my paper, I would have to keep making that over $300,000 a year to keep up to pay what I had to pay off. Do you get what I'm saying? God actually made time freeze frame so his grace could bring in what I was to receive for the ultimate purpose, for the ultimate purpose to be used in the will of God. See, he's cleaning us all up so we can become those people, those ministers outside of these doors that they can't say, oh, well, she's a minister and she did that. She's a minister and she did that. Yeah. They're ministers and they did that. That's a minister who didn't do this. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I heard they have a lot of that. Oh, they're a minister. Do you get where I'm going? Yeah. If any, everybody in here is a minister and most people in here are called to a fivefold office to get renewed in that fivefold office. God is not going to put you out and C-section you out before you go through a birthing canal, before he really changes what he needs to have on your spiritual resume. So, cause you know what? We are told not to lean on what men and a man will let us down. We will let man down. So just, hey, thank God he sent his son for forgiveness. So we have to keep in mind that we still want to be upright and just, and the just live by faith. If God has you in a place, and you know you write down whatever your debts are, and you give it to the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of all what? Truth. He's going to tell you what to do on that piece of paper. Because if you're going to be a representative of him, he wants you to be as the word. And the word says we're to be what? Debt free. Now, that's financial. Let's talk about emotional. Yes. Let's talk about unforgiveness, shame, and rejection. Okay? God, that's a debt. Unforgiveness is a debt. 
He already says, man, we've already been given the power that whatever we forgive on earth, it will be what? Forgiven us in heaven. But if we have something that we haven't forgiven here, then he says, I, I can't forgive it up there. That is a debt that we hold in heaven. If faith is our currency, fill in our bank account, well, then unforgiveness, shame, and rejection is our debt holding back the release of the inheritance. Okay, I want everybody to really think about that because the enemy works on our emotions. He works on our moods. He works on our fears. He works on the things that he makes us look at people and say, they caused me to feel this way. Do you know what I'm saying? And then I'll tell you another thing he gets. We've got, we've got emotions. We've got finances. And then the next thing we have is family. He's going to hit the people we love. And when he is working on the people who we, we love, I'm going to tell you right now, I see, I have seen sickness trying to hit things, but guess what? It's not real. It really isn't real. And I do, I feel, I mean, it is not real. Whatever attack is being happened on a family member right now connected to here, and it is not their sickness unto death, then all it is, is an attack holding you back from your time with him because he's asking for something just to change. Just that little change will lift that sickness right out. I mean, I am so on this because the Lord showed me somebody and this person keeps getting attacked in sickness, keeps getting attacked in sickness, keeps getting attacked in sickness. And then I got to observe it and it's not real. It is, it's purely going to take, and it's, it's going to take believing in the word and knowing if this change is happening in my life, then that's why this is rising up. I'm serious. If you can keep that in mind, if we know we're going into receiving something and this is attacking a person's body, every time one of you get near that person or it's moving you into the next thing, then guess what's going to rise? That same thing. And doctors can't tell you what it is. They can't give you a cure for it. They can't do anything because it's spiritual. Now, I'm going to give you an awesome, I mean, everybody knows I helped um, Spring have a baby. Spring has had high blood pressure the whole time of her pregnancy. Spring has had, normally has high blood pressure. I did not know about that about Spring. And they put her in the hospital because of why? Preeclampsia, high blood pressure. When I talked to her on the phone, I said to her, I said, I, I, can't, I can't come into agreement that you have high blood pressure. I didn't know she was having it the whole time. The moment we prayed on that phone, and let me tell you, because there's a faith that can build in you that you know if a sickness is not because it's your sickness unto death, it is for the glory of the Lord. Can you beat it out? Can you really call it? And it's going to be because of an exchange of thinking. It's, it's going to be because of an action that you're called to do. It's not going to be because it isn't going to be because you went to the doctor, took your medicine well and did good. Do you get what I'm saying? Who are you close to? If a person is close to a person of God who's being advanced, boom. So, but that's the beautiful part because it's his glory. The moment Spring and I prayed, I'm going to tell you, that girl hasn't had any, had no, all through the, all through the delivery, no high blood pressure. She was normal the whole time. And you know what I said to her? I said this into her ear. I said, the spirit is in the blood. When it says the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul and spirit, that means the two have to become apart. But when they become one, it takes care of the joints and the marrow. That means it goes deep into our DNA body system. 
and it has to come whole. The blood has to be yielded to the spirit. I'm telling you, why do we get goosebumps? Why do we feel it from the inside out, the explosion of the spirit? Because what transfers that? The blood. Man, the blood is so powerful. The blood symbolizes unforgiveness. Which you, if you forgive anything on earth, you, where's it, what happens? It takes it away in heaven. Come on, Pete. I, this is so, if we can get this on illness, then, I mean, I'm going to tell you, and, you know, I say this lovingly because Rachel knows like, she has full authority for me to use her and talk about her. <laughs> She's so cute. Man, when there's an attack on her, I know I'm moving in something. Her eyes. She's even been dealing, she just, everything now when she comes to me is a little injury. You know what I mean? And she's so cute because I say, we know what this is. And she laughs. <laughs> you know what I mean? She'll laugh because she was laughing at me today in front of Chris. She came in whining because she hurt her toe out in the thing. And, you know, Rachel wants me to be um, like 911. You know, it's so cute. Oh, honey, should I call the ambulance because you're at your foot? And then I just want to be, and then I just want to look at her and say, okay, casualty of war. Let's move on. <laughs> I say it cute, but I mean, I want us to keep that in mind. When I say casualty of war, I want you to think that we are going to have things attack us. Okay. I'm not trying to tell you that we're supposed to be so holy that we're never going to have an attack. How would we ever know his supernatural power if we didn't have an attack? Okay. If somebody next to us wasn't being attacked, he says, if I can't get you, then who is he going to? Your descendants. Well, if you don't have a descendant, well, then he's going to be working on you. But I mean, it is awesome when you can get the alignment, get the alignment, and then just say, I know this isn't real. I, I am going to renounce this in the name of Jesus. I am going to receive your word, and I'm going to meditate on that word morning and night until that you become a warrior, not yelling at people, not talking to people, not doing anything else except for sowing in the spirit. When the spirit has you where it lifts you up into that third heaven and you pass out, you know, something's being kicked out of your body. I'm telling you that's when you get lifted up and you, you just fall out. That's what that we, if you're not there yet, or you haven't gotten to that place, I encourage you to get to that place because, but only your praises can break the realm and then you get into your prayer and worship. But there's a praise level. I mean, I've experienced it with people. I know like I played with Sheila in her house one time. We had worship and prayer. You could feel it lifting. I almost thought if I stayed at Sheila's house anymore, I would have passed down. <laughs> and Sheila would have had to get me for the night. But what I'm, that's why I'm trying to get everybody excited. We've actually got to be in the mode. It says in Romans chapter 4, and I forget the verse. I think it's 20, 21. I don't know if it is. But it says your praise becomes so infectious that that's all you're reaching for every day. And you're not even thinking about the sickness, the attack, the anything, because then when you hit that spot and don't, that's when you hit the rest. When you hit that spot and you just let it descend, you don't even have to be praying at that time because he, in his presence, he's got it all working out. He already knows what you need. So this is where I feel like right now we are at a time People have got to get their spirit in the presence. And I'm going to teach on this Saturday night. I'm teaching this Saturday. I'm doing um, the little glory introduction. And the goal for everybody this Saturday is going to be get to lift up, to, to be brought right back down. That is the goal. That is, we, I'm going to, I want everybody to start praying to experience the lift up. So you can fall down and then 
you don't need it, it it's it's not about jumping up and down it's about praising him with your energy but getting into that place where you feel the lift and then you get into full relaxation and that's when you feel things leaving your body that's when he lays hands on you and no man has to lay hands on you for that type of deliverance if you need strength right now you that that i'm praying for the father and i want everybody's agreement to really show up and lift us up, to bring us into a place where something can be released. We want something released because when we go in to the, 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 the receiving season, in the receiving season, hey, when you go to the Super Bowl, you still got to play the final game, right? So we still got to play the final. We have to still play, I guess, inning would be baseball, right? The final quarter. We still have to actually do something. And it is faith that moves in action. All right. I know I kind of got on that. I was really excited. Because I just know when I, I, in the song that we were singing about the storm, I just wanted to break crying because I'm feeling everybody, I feel the attacks that are going on. And it makes me want to cry because I, he can use me. If I can lift it off and let him intercede it through me, then I want him to intercede it through me. But I want everybody to know they have to be in agreement. It's that when two to come together, we can agree as one. And you know God has to keep that. If we're righteous, which we everybody in here is, and, we, how do you, and we're so righteous in the fact that Christ, we're in agreement that Christ has to change us to receive. That's righteous. Righteous isn't a higher level. Righteous is being under him and knowing that he is going to change something and you've got a family that's willing to war it with you. Do you know what I mean? And they don't, you don't even have to know it. You just have to be in agreement to war with them. So the important thing about a vision, when we have a focus for the year, which we have a lot of focuses for this year, for a vision to be carried out, we must be willing to pay the price. Okay? Jesus came and he paid the price, didn't he? He paid and gave us reconciliation back to God so we could be freed up, forgiven. Our sins can be removed. But then he says, we have to work out our salvation of our soul. So there's a price that we have to pay. And the price is, what are you sowing into? We have to sow into the spirit. But what happens when we start sowing by faith? When we actually start living by faith and sowing into that faith, then this is what comes to us, persecution. This is what in the strengthening time, persecution, rejection, fatigue, and hatred. That starts coming towards you. So everybody, why are people getting worn out? Why? You can be a person standing and there can be so much gossip going on about you. and You don't even know what's happening, but it'll start weakening something around you. You can actually be a person not involved in anything, but you all of a sudden start feeling rejection. Why am I feeling rejected? A person says once, I feel rejected. Why? Because God's trying to move something, and so things are lifting up around you. You don't even know they're lifting up, but you can feel the oppression. I am telling you, you can feel the oppression. Fatigue. Oh, if he knows that we're supposed to be really pressing in, right, sowing into the spirit during our rest, then what starts attacking us? Sleep, right? Look at Robin. She's going to go to sleep right now. 
So I wonder, these four things start attacking us when something big is about to move, so we stop and rescind from doing what we were already doing. Okay? So persecution, which is really awesome. Persecution is being subject to hostility. That means our spirit man is strong, but our physical man is actually experiencing hostility. Man, the light in you, no matter where it is, think about this, a born-again Christian, the first battle, the first receiving of an in-season is gaining more of Christ in you. But look how much that little man has to battle. But it says that man holds all the faith to win. Okay? But every season it should get what? It seems like it should get what? A little easier because we have more of Christ, less of ourself. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what the gray is around you, that's hostility shaking. That means, hostility means if you are gaining something in Christ, that means, see you later, that means persecution's rising up around you. That means fatigue is hitting you. That means hatred, it's rising up around you. You guys don't even know it's happening. You don't, even know, you don't even have to know who it's happening or where it's happening, but it's happening because we're in the last month, and that's part to get you off track. So if a persecution is subject to hostility, ill treatment, unfair, cruel behavior, that's some things that you're experiencing around you. You might not even be seeing it, but you can feel it. Do you get what I'm saying? You can even, you can feel it. I mean, come on, some people in the workplace, if you're working with all non, you're not with spiritual, hey, even with spiritual people, it can be just as bad. I mean, I have to tell you, but I mean, but sometimes we, our mind thinks, oh, if I was just in a place that was all full of Christians, you know what I mean? But even you own your own business. We own our own business. You feel something going on. Do you know what I mean? Now I got it. I got why the Lord asked me to come in here and be dedicated to that morning worship because it was to help to protect the people in here. And guess what? It has been two and a half weeks that I've been doing it. And I'm going to tell you, I think there's been increase of attack in everybody's life in that two and a half. I don't want everybody to think about what's going on the past two and a half weeks. And I'm just saying, it's not just me. I'm just saying when we step and we actually step into something, that's it's not for me. I, I benefit from it, but it's for the body. I've noticed more attacks. I mean, right? It starts to increase. What's increasing? Hostility. Ill treatments coming towards you. All based out of, I love that, fatigue, rejection, hatred, misunderstandings. It's not real. You know how I talked about the sickness isn't real? Guess what? The persecution. It's not real. The rejection you're feeling. It's not real. The fatigue you're feeling is really not real. Once you can renounce and identify it and think about what in me is turning to my old behavior, I want you to really think about it. What in me am I losing the battlefield in my Christ-likeness? And you need to start hitting that. And then you start running around and says, I got your plan. You're just trying to get me out of my strengthening so I can be settled and received. So... We grow better. Here's this. I love this. This is in the Word. This is in Timothy. If we grow better at our, at our weapons of warfare, which is trusting the name, knowing the blood, and speaking the 
word, worship, meditation, prayer. If we stay in those things, when we grow better, guess what happens to darkness? They grow worse. No, don't you get it? We get stronger, they actually get worse. So the stronger I get, now I'm just going to use me and Rachel as an example. If I start getting stronger, she starts getting what? Worse. Like if her eyes, her eyes start getting worse. It's amazing. I can press in, Rachel's eyes start acting up. Right? But now I've been giving Rachel verses because I said, we're going to defeat this enemy. You have to know it's because as, one, as good, something good in the spirit rises up. That means darkness gets worse. Okay, but here's the best part. When darkness gets worse, it comes to complete what? Death, the explosion, the, um, what's it called? The, um, when you have a volcano, it's rising, it's rising, it's rising, but it has to do what? Erupt to calm down. Okay, that's what happens with the darkness. Darkness has to rise, and as it's rising, hatred, persecution, everything's coming closer, 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 closer as an oppression. And most people want to do what? Push it away. But it's the spirit of our breath that pushes it away. What I mean is whatever God gives you to say, whether in prayer, worship, elevation, gratification, glorification, he even said, the son said to the father, okay, glorify yourself through me. All right, now it's time for the father to be glorified through the son. When you feel it coming, and if even it's working through other people, it's going to be in your words, but not words of attack. If it's a person, it's words of love, edification, actually starting to connect with that person in such love that they're just thinking, uh, I can't handle that. But it actually brings them worse to do what? For something to die. So it's beautiful how the Lord really shows us that. Those who deceive others, it says in Timothy, they deceive themselves. All right? So that means we have to be really clear and clean about ourselves. Because if we're in deception, then we actually deceive what? Others. And we do it in our innocence. But it's one of the things that it can increase persecution, hatred, fatigue. Do you know it takes work to be in deception? It takes work to, 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 to call the call lines. You know what I mean? Hey, everybody has somebody in a family that's the person that has to inform everybody of everything, right? <laughs> and that's the person usually most deceived. <laughs> because they're having to pass. They're having to pass information they hear. Do you know how exhausting that is? Exhausting. So... Those who deceive others deceive themselves as they will find out to their cost. That means don't be the person that's causing an offense to the other person. You stay in your column and you feel the pressure and all your words need to be the breath of God. That means it's going to be a word of God. It's going to be a compliment. It's going to edify. It's going to, and then in your prayer time, it could be a word of warfare. However, God works through you. But it's going to be about renouncing, and it's going to be about changing the mindset in knowing it has to get worse before it gets what? Better. And remember, you are never on judgment. It's the, the wrong thought in our soul that's on judgment. We, I mean, God loves us all. But we've got to stick together and know to go through this. Put this verse up, please. would be great. Put up 1 John 3.13. What time is it to, guys? 
Okay, we're going to get through a couple verses. We're going to back all this up. Isn't this awesome? We just have to keep remembering. I want to motivate everybody that everybody's doing great. But do not let the enemy, let God strengthens us in the weakness. So we can look at that bubble and say, strength. And the whole time you're like, yeah, I'm weak. (laughs) Right? I'm in strengthening. What are you talking about? Right? It doesn't work. It says, do not marvel, my brethren. If the world hates you, what's everybody in the second half? Go to the next line. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in what? Death. Man, you know what we need to do before we leave today? We're going to hug each person in here. Okay? We are going to kill the enemy. We are going to love everybody. It doesn't make a difference what's going on in our lives or what attacks or what we think. I'm going to tell you, he tells us how to do it. We want to pass from death to what? Life. Okay? Because we love the brethren. Man, we're going to pour love on each other before we leave today. All right. (laughs) 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12. I'm going to tell you something. When we're in this time zone right now, it seems like the enemy is persistent, right? And it's usually persistent because we just haven't made the move. I know God's telling something, everybody in here, something different to do. And when you do it, like I'm telling you, I'm in the joy now because I finally got through the ugly days of having to get up early, get a shower and be perfect at 530 in the morning, (laughs) I'm so blessed that I can, I can walk in my office at any time because I can do all my work from home if I want to. It's nice to have my Bible, my coffee, and my pajamas and worship and fall in my bed, get up, get a revelation. You know what I'm saying? God had to make it where I have to shower. I have to shower, be pressed, and ready to go at 530. Is you kidding? And Rachel's complained about it. She's like, Mom, I never see you now. I really never see you. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Will suffer persecution. So, uh, man, let's just be in agreement. We're going to have what? Persecution. Man, when we start getting over that, we can really love each other so much easier because we're like, hey, I know I've had persecution too. Okay. Well, and then we, we renounce it. We, we love each other. We don't get into it. I'm not going to go to prison and say, let me hear about your persecution. No, you're the victory. The greater one's in you than you are in this world. Let me hug you. Have a great day, right? That's what we should, we, we actually have the authority to edify the enemy right out of a person, not because we have the answer to solve their problem. It's because we'll do what? Embrace them, love them, and say, you are not going to stay in tiredness. You are not going to be defeated. You know what I mean? You're going to get your blessing. Boom, I don't need to say anything else to anybody. (laughs) That is the truth. All right, go to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. These are great encouragers. We need to trust our soul to the faithful creator. Let me tell you, we need to trust our soul to the faithful creator. That means we have to surrender our soul to be renewed, to get the next blessing, to get the next thing he wants. It's not about, it's just about something when the little click happens. He could tell you to stand here, but now Lee, go stand over here. And then all of a sudden, whatever it is I was being delivered at just went away. I am being serious. We, this person I know that's going through the sickness is so awesome. They're now coming in here, not for classes or something, just coming in here. And the person says, I feel it getting worse. I was like, we're on it. (laughs) I'm like excited. They look at me like I'm crazy, but 
I'm not crazy because it's the word. The word says, if I continue to do good and edify that person towards God's will, it's going to get what? Worse. But if you keep bringing them in the environment and you keep, you keep edifying them in, what's going to happen? It's going to have to what? Break. It says it will die. It says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to do what? Try you. Who's being tried? Praise God. We, I'm at, we're going to get through trials so much easier when we just start realizing it's a part of our life. Man, he gives us a hope in heaven that we don't have any of that. He dries up all our tears when we hit heaven. He gives us, we are in full love and the fullness of love. We have all that manifesting to us. Isn't that awesome? But here, we're in training. He is building our faith in him so his grace can do the work that time can't. Only his grace can do that. As though, so do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Hold on to the vision. Hold on to Christ. No, he went through it too. But it never said that we had to go through what he went through. It said we had to partake of that peace. It didn't say we had to experience the fullness of that. He did that to redeem us of our, of our sin. Now he says, mature up in me, mature up in me. And don't, it says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. <laughs> That's what, you were like right on it. That when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. Okay, I want to hear everybody say, we experience the resurrection. We're experiencing the resurrection. We are born after the resurrection. So that means we get to experience the what? The resurrection. We get resurrections here on earth, and then we get the fullness of a resurrection when we go to heaven. We can't let go of that hope because it's for an appointed time. That appointed time. So it says you have to partake in the trial before the receiving of that appointed time. It's awesome. It's like a woman carrying a baby. She's still got to carry that baby for how many months? Nine months. And then the more she gets to that day of birth, it's going to be what? More painful. <laughs> you know, and I love it. I, that's what the Lord has put me in birthing rooms, definitely to learn the God's order. He even showed me, you know, we're, we are, he has a plan through that birth, but he has an appointed day to receive the blessing, which is the what? The child. All right. So in the transition is the last two hours before you start pushing. That's the most painful hours. It's the most painful. It's the fiery trial. <laughs> Robin, I've been through it. It is the fiery trial and the tempter comes, doesn't it, Robin? It does. He comes, you know, because we have to pass the what? Test. I want everybody to remember that. Nobody in here is going to have the epidural because we want everybody to get to the fullness. We want, oh, what was the verse before that? We want everybody, it says that when his what? Glory is revealed. When you see the baby, the glory is revealed, right? When spring, no blood pressure kept pumping up on the chart. Her blood pressure went from so extreme the whole time during pregnancy to way below normal. It was, I mean, it was just, it was good normal, you know? It's like stellar report. Can you imagine how we looked at his glory was revealed on that screen? It wasn't anything we could do. It was only what we could believe and what we could confess. And God gave that to us in that moment. We Nurses kept talking throughout the whole time. And we were there for 24 hours. They couldn't believe it. That you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Next verse. 
if you are reproached for the name of Christ. That means when we accept that we're going to have persecution, hatred, and we're going to have this illicit pressure, oppression that comes to us, do you know we actually take reproach for the name of Christ? Because we decide to believe that we are adopted back to this family, and this is how we grow up in this family. This is our household rules. Our household rules is we will have a trial before we receive the revealing of his glory. When we get that mentality down, fear will leave. You, the devil, he knows I can't get you anymore. Anger leaves. Rebellion leaves. All, sickness leaves. All those things leave. Your debt gets cleared. I'm telling you. He, and he, he affects and manifests the things outside your body like the finances. All right. It says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. When somebody yells at you, you need to just smile. I'm blessed. <laughs> you need to, when you see somebody on the deck, I'm blessed. You know what I mean? When you see somebody hating you, I'm what? Blessed. When you feel fatigue, what should you be saying? I'm blessed. Okay? Persecution, I'm blessed. Hatred, I'm blessed. Fatigue, I'm blessed. We're blessed. Can we start getting that? I'm excited. We have to stay in blessed. For the spirit of glory and the God of God rests upon you. Man, come on in tired. All you who labor, come on in because he's going to lift it off and he's going to make it easier. All right. So I like it. When I see somebody tired, I know Mamie had to get used to that with me. Mamie would come in and she'd be like, Lee, you always like this. Yes, because God wants us all to reach a level of joy in the trial. And when we reach that level of joy in the trial, do you know what I mean? Then there's power and unity. Can you imagine all of us going through like a trial? Everybody not liking us, but we come in here and we're like loving on the brethren and we rejoice in it because the spirit of glory and God's rest is upon us. Come on, isn't that beautiful? I'm excited. All right. Because right now, everybody in here, the glory of God, the spirit of God, the glory is on you. And the God's rest is upon you because you're taking it. <laughs> because you are being reproached for the name of Christ. It says on their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. It's time for the father to be glorified through the sons and daughters of God. And now he keeps this in thought. Remember this, John 15, 18. Remember this. These are going to uplift you. John 15, 18. You know, scripture is what we've got to keep meditating on. If any of you are going through any of this, you, met, you keep reading these scriptures and you're going to feel better. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me, right, before it hated you. Hey, so our, we're, we're family. Do you know what I mean? If we're in him, he, they already hated him anyway. So that's just our family. Come on. Everybody has moms and dads, right? Nobody likes it when somebody doesn't like their mommy and their daddy. Don't pick on my mommy. How many people have ever defended their parent? You saw somebody not like the first time you saw somebody who didn't like your mom or dad. And the first thing you thought is, I love my mom and dad. Don't pick on them. Or if you had a brother or sister and somebody was picking on them, and even though you don't really like your brother and sister, you're like, don't pick on my brother and sister. Right? Okay, why? Because your family. This verse reminds us that if people hate us, they hated him too. But we're not supposed to hate each other. We can have our bad days, but we're supposed to stick up for each other. Yeah. Matthew 5.44. Matthew 5.44. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray 
for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That means when you know someone's using you, you just go thumbs up. It's okay. I'm going to let them use me. You have to let them use you. It says love your enemies doesn't mean the enemy is a person. Love your enemy. That means what's not right in you. We can only attract something from somebody that's in us. So when you get close to somebody, then there's something in you. You can see what's not right in that other person, but it's really what's not right in you. So then it says, love your enemy. When you love your, the enemy is not the people. The enemy is the behavior. So if you start loving that person, even though you don't like what's in that person, you've just done what? Defeated the enemy. The enemy's Satan. The enemy's not you. The enemy's the other person. So if you start loving on that person, not because love is undeserved, that means you're defeating the enemy that's in them that's also in you, and then you become weak. You actually become weak because you've recognized it's in you. And when you recognize it's in you and you love that same thing that bothers you about them that's in you, you are weakening the enemy. It is the power of God. And there isn't any time that I've never ministered that when we put it together, it breaks. It cannot stand in that kind of love because that love is the power of God. So we, we can't have our opinions about people anymore. If somebody's drawing close to me and I say, that person's this, then I better just say, I'm that. And now I've got to do what? Love that person because I'm loving the enemy that's in both of us. It's deep, but it's truth. He says, and we pray for those that spitefully use us. Okay, well, we're going to have, there truly are going to be non-Christians out there that are going to spitefully use us. And guess what we're supposed to do? Say, okay. <laughs> because when we do that, we weaken the devil that's, that's, that's holding on to them. So if somebody comes and wants to yell at me, trust me, I've learned to take it now. Gene sent me on an appointment many years ago. He said, you're going to take care of this guy. I literally was afraid of this guy, but the fear in me was afraid of the fear in him. And I feared that he had more fear and anger in him. And I'll never forget, I don't know if anybody was here during this time, if we just started doing like, this, I mean, this is years ago. I just remember the day I sat over there and I got in my car after I left, I thought the guy was going to push me down the stairs. But all I knew is don't not lock into his eyes. Don't argue, let him yell at you, take it. But I'm telling you, as I was taking it, I got in my car and lost it. I lost it. But I did that. I let somebody use me because whatever was in them, they needed somebody else to stand in the breach and take the burden for them because every human being is called to Christ. So if we have to be the, be if we have to be the whipping boy, then guess what? We just need to be the whipping boy. How many people have been there? And then you take it gracefully, but that's hard. <laughs> I'm not telling you that's easy, but you want to defeat darkness? You do that right in that moment. I mean, I love it when somebody wants to scream because if I just stand there and the confidence of Christ, not the confidence of Lee, if the confidence of Christ stands, I watch it. It just dissipates in that person. Sunday, we were, I was at an event and there was this, a person who was very, just very arrogant and full of themselves and everything. 
I sat right in the front of that person, complain, 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 complain. And all I did was it just hit me. I said something loving, and then it shifted. People watched it. And then I put my hand out, and her hands touched my hands. Deflation in this person. And it felt so cool because it wasn't about what she was saying to me. It was about the deflation, feeling the deflation. I held her arms like this. You could feel when I held her arms like this and we just looked at each other and I had her practice forgiveness. And she looked at, Tori was my, Tori was my sidekick. I asked this person for forget to forgive what she was complaining about. Something blocked her and she couldn't even speak. And it was an enemy. Do you know what I mean? And I said, no, 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 turn, look here. Stay in my eyes. We're going to do this. You know what I mean? And that was all love. I was like, you can do it. You know what I mean? And then when the person did it, broke. Good crying. Do you know what I mean? She kept crying the rest of the day. And this is somebody who doesn't go to this ministry. Do you know we get put in front of people every day to do this? To do this? I mean, it's amazing when we can defeat that enemy just by loving somebody, by saying, well, you're probably, I, I started, my first sentence was, you probably feel that way because there's just something that you haven't reconciled back to God. And if we're complaining, we're inviting the destroyer. And if we're inviting the destroyer, there's something we haven't forgiven. And then the person knew the answer. Yeah, I haven't forgiven that guy because da 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 <laughs> But it was awesome. I was like, okay. Well, the word says that we have to forgive first. So if, I, if you identify it, so if you forgive him even right now, something will change. I mean, it was beautiful. The shift happened, right? It was gorgeous. I know some people witnessed it in here. And it was so awesome. And I'm not saying that person walked away perfect or something, but that person learned something. And it's somebody who doesn't come to this ministry. So if there is one thing that highlighted at that moment was hopefully they would come to what? This ministry, because that person did not feel judged. They felt accepted. All right? All right, let's go to 1 Peter 3.17. I got two more verses, three more verses. Chop, chop, right? For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing what? Evil. So if the other person's evil, you do good and you just suffer. And you just suffer. Hey, and this is good. I was thinking of Tom on this one. Anybody who owns a business? No, it just hit me. I was looking at you. You and you own a business, right? You own a business. We own a business. Anybody in here own a business? Okay. When you own a business, all right, you have been given the responsibility to steward people and steward money. All right? The way you steward people, if a person has hours or they have certain things, you can't discipline them and what their behavior is wrong, but you can tighten up the stewardship of what you're called to steward them, which is their hours, their pay. Do you know what I mean? And, what, hey, I know when Jean tells me, we're switching it up around here. I mean, hours are going to be from here to here. And if they don't, they can't just work those hours later. They got to work those hours then, you know, or Gina will put it up where, okay, let's switch jobs. We switch offices all the time in here <laughs> because we don't keep things. We keep things moving. So another discipline of stewardship gets put in place. When we own businesses, we are, God has put a leadership of responsibility on us, not to necessarily change that person, but to steward their frame. And when you steward their frame and even abide in this, because we can't touch their personal life, but we steward their frame, it makes it where they have to come to you for a problem. 
and then you can perform that. So this is where, I mean, we, I notice it in here. Sometimes it's like we had all these realtors at one time. It was so crazy. All I could do was order the frame, make my rules and stick to them. The house rules. If you own a, oh, you've raised children. What works best is when you set a house full of what? Rules and you stick to them. Now you've steward. You don't change. You stay in that outline and it has to conform to the rules, which the word says it doesn't make a difference if you're saved or not saved. Wherever you work, you're to respect what? The authority of the outline. But when you can respect it, none of us can meet the expectation of our job. I could, everybody could get their write-up and you could get an evaluation and there's going to be something that you're good at and there's going to be something that you're weak at. Come on, right? She manages a whole law office of some interesting personalities, right? She's got to take a lot and she's probably got to evaluate a lot. But when you do that, if the authority's on you to steward, you steward firmly the outline to change the behavior. You guys getting this? When Rachel was little, I had rules. When she got home, we ate at a certain time. I bathed her a certain time. She went to bed at a certain time. That girl still does it now. <laughs> she has not. I laugh. If she's past her time, why? Because I kept the rules so firm. It was so firm, she had to stick to it. She knew the moment I had dinner on the table at 730, when she was done, she when she got old enough, she had to clear the table and put all the dishes in the dishwasher. And in the morning when she got up, she was responsible to take them out. But I was responsible for turning, making sure the dishwasher was on to put whatever I wanted in. So we worked as a team. Rachel is an excellent roommate to live with. She's clean. She does things. She's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's because there was a form and I did never let loose on the form, but I always kept the love. You get what I'm saying? Like Rachel complained to me. I don't want to do the dishes. I don't want to do this. Hey, it's, it's just how it is. It's your job. Okay. And I, and I would walk away. But then when she get it done, I go upstairs, I go see her. And I'd sit down and we'd talk and I'd always lay with her before bed. Do you get what I'm saying? Like our love should never change, but our form should stay in the outline God's calls for that moment. Even in football is a play, right? Hey, even in football, there's a play. Okay. There's a time to stick to the play and there's time to be creative in the play. Okay. And that's what God calls us when we're stewarding, knowing when to shift that. You know what I mean? What happens is chaos starts. We can actually affect our persecution, our hatred, our fatigue, and everything around us, the illicit attack, if we don't keep the form that we already know we're supposed to keep. That's why I'm blessed that Chris has Keyshawn, new family member. Him and Tori went from being married newlyweds to having two kids, one in high school, one in elementary school. Well, talk about, come on, anybody who's had little kids. Come on, Sheila's had three. You've had two. Kenrick, you're getting there. You're going to get a family of kids, right? So he comes and he gets married and he has kids. Well, now it's like, oh my God, we got to get some order. <laughs> when there's only two, it's easy. Come on, Mamie, the, the children's ministry over there, right? You've got to get form. It's when you open yourself up attack when the form isn't right. You open yourself up attack and you do it, but the form has to be done with love, just sticking to the rules. Rachel already knew how I worked. I never fought with her. No, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're going to do. I'm not discussing it. Please, please, please. please. I, I, I just ignored her. I just kept going, doing my thing. But Rachel knew I was never going to break, which is what's made her so diligent 
Do you know what I mean? And her living in her order. Do you know what I mean? And then when she knows she's out of order, she knows it quickly. I'm out of order. She knows when she's not spending enough time with God. She knows when her life is out of order. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't mean she really gets to the change right away, but she knows it because she feels nobody wants to feel naked and exposed. If I told you all to take off your clothes right now, how many would you do it? Chris. <laughs> right? Why? Clothes, it form us. So we may not like how we look, but we put on clothes and we feel what? Form. Mamie puts on her, what do you call it, outfit for testimony. You know what I mean? That's a joke. I, I'm playing that off of you, Chris. But, you know, we put a form on ourselves and we feel good in that what? Form. All right. Now, God has required us to wear clothes. Okay. But imagine, no, shame is knowing that you're naked. Is knowing that you're naked. All right. I want you to think about that. How many homes are naked? They're exposed. You wouldn't want anybody to come in because you'd be like, I'm exposed. What are you exposed? Whatever that thought, whatever you think's not right. Okay. And it can be the order. It could be cleanliness. It could be something, but you feel exposed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So just keep those things in mind. And I, I didn't mean to get off that tangent, but I thought that was pretty, some pretty good advice. Our order in home is very important to how we're going to receive the attacks of the enemy. All right, and here are the last, I'm just going to give you the last three verses, and you can meditate on these on your own. Did I read this one? Yes. All right, go ahead and give me 3.14, 1 Peter 3.14, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter 3.16, and then we're just going to do those two last, but I'm going to give you these other three to meditate on at home. Meditate on, don't change that screen, leave that there. Meditate on Luke 6.22, Matthew 5.10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8 through 12. Those are the ones I'm not going to do on the screen. Luke 6.22, Matthew 5.10, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12. Meditate those, but we're going to finish these two. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are what? Bless. That's twice we've heard that. We are, let me hear everybody say it. Right. We are blessed. And do not be what? Afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Man, when I see, when I see sickness starting attack, sometimes we feel so disconnected because of sickness. Because we really feel like we can't do anything. How many people have felt that? I can't do anything. They're really sick. Okay. But sometimes that, that person's being attacked because of you. You know what I mean? I'm not, don't take that where, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I can't have friends. That's not what it's about. That's not what I'm trying to say. Meaning you're to, you're to realize you are blessed, but you are not to be afraid of the enemy's threats working through a person. Okay. You cannot be fearful of that threat that comes to you. When that man yelled at me, I couldn't be fear, right? Even though I got my car and I still felt the fear, the fear jumped on me. I cried like a baby. But I still gave him love. He did not see that at that time. Okay, same with sickness. Sickness is a threat working through somebody's body to make you constantly think about it to get you weakened. When you're supposed to be speaking, okay, if this, I ask every time, is this sickness unto death? Sometimes I've heard yes, sometimes I've heard no. Most of the time I hear what? No. So then if I know it's no, the other part of the verse says it's for the glory of the Lord. Okay, why would it be for the glory of the Lord? To prove that he is greater than me. To prove that he is greater and almighty and the most awesome creator and he controls everything else outside of me. 
but I just have to believe and can be used to confess for somebody else's life. But you got to believe that they are going to receive, and then you have to let them go through the battle. That battle is not yours, it's theirs. You just love them and pray for them. And educate, if you can teach them the scripture, you teach them the scripture. Do not be afraid of their threats. How many people go into doctors and they're afraid of what a doctor will tell you? Don't be fearful of their threats. All right? They, how is it a threat? Oh, you got this. I don't know why, but you're going to have to start taking this medicine in two weeks. And then you have to take it every day. And then possibly there might have to be surgery. Oh, and then worst case scenario is you're not even going to be able to, you know, use that part of your body. Come on, right? That is threat after threat after threat after threat. A threat is telling you an outcome that's not God. That is a threat. Just like, hey, just like, hey, I, we were talking about this. Gossip isn't gossip unless gossip is something that you heard from somebody else and you repeated. That is gossip. All right. And we're not called to that. You're not called to hear something, then repeat it unless that person told you and you talk to that person. Do you see what I'm saying? Medicine's the same way. Who told you you were sick? The doctor. And then he says, and then this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you said, okay, okay, okay. And when you come into agreement with the other person or the sickness or whatever it is, you just invited it back to you. You just opened up the windows for the hatred, persecution to get tighter. I want you to think about that. I really want everybody to think about that because this is, if we can counteract the enemy, man, we have the victory. We are not to be troubled. All right. And then 316 is the last one and you have the other ones. 316 says, having a good conscience. I want everybody to leave here tonight with a good conscience. I want everybody to leave here with the conscience that they are blessed. You are blessed that when they defame you as evildoers, how many people told you you're, you're bad, right? Fear tells you you're bad. The doctor tells you you're sick. Okay. The evildoers are telling you the things in your mind to get you to fear. He says, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. That means the shame is not there getting less. Like when that doctor couldn't believe, every time he came in, he goes, because they only admitted her for high, for high blood pressure. They should have sent her home. They should have sent her home. They didn't send her home, you know, because her blood pressure went immediately down. There was no reason to keep her, and there was no reason to induce the, pregnant, to induce the birth. But what was interesting is they knew she was going to do it natural and she wasn't going to do anything. So every time they came in and saw there was no reason to keep her, fear hit them. When God's glory hit the room and her, and her blood pressure went down, there was this, this nervousness on the nurse and the doctor because they already admitted her and they already started first level of induction. Do you get what I'm saying? And it was unneeded. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. Spring caught it. It was awesome. Like, it's a great testimony because it's so beautiful when we recognize the threat because then we ultimately get the what? The victory. You know what I mean? Which we got the victory. That girl has no more high blood pressure. But I'm going to tell you, when you watch them feel the shame about taking the next step before waiting, because it was no emergency. Sometimes we create our own emergencies ahead of us. I'm serious. There, we have to relax and trust in who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you the truth of all things. And I know now being in several delivery rooms, I remember one time I had to ask the Holy Spirit if I, I really thought that one of the people I was helping, something really was going to happen to their death. 
And I'm going to tell you, I, got, um, I just said, Lord, is this, a, is this this person? Because people can die in childbirth. I heard no, but I'm cleansing her. I'm cleansing her right now. She had a problem bleeding, but I'm cleansing her. Isn't that awesome? Like God said, no, I'm doing something. She already had the baby. It was awesome. She just had a hard time with bleeding. You know what I mean? And I, I really got nervous, you know, but it was beautiful when he said, the Holy Spirit said, don't worry, I'm doing this. She's going to be completely fine. And she was completely fine. But that was just whatever the struggle. Everybody's going to have a struggle, a trial. Everybody I help has a trial when they're delivering a baby. And their trial is unique to who they are because God knows what he needs to get through each one of us. So I like it. Brenda and Tom's trial can't be like Sheila's, can't be like Weta's, can't be like Niana's. Wouldn't we all love Niana's trial? <laughs> we all would want to go back and grow up, Niana, with, you know, with what we know. But we have to remember, all ours are tailor-made for Louise, <laughs> are tailor-made for Prissy. They're tailor-made to move us on. But remember, those who are eliciting the trial will be put to what? Shame. Shame doesn't mean that their nose is going to be rubbed in the face. It means that when somebody's put to shame, they realize that only God Almighty, the Creator, could have done that. And then they realize they don't believe to that level. And then they're exposed. When you're exposed, you feel what? Shame. Do you know what I mean? That's what I love about the medical practice. Because ultimately, if God does a miracle... It, and the person doesn't believe. I've met doctors that do believe, and it's awesome. The believing, it is awesome when they believe. But if they don't, it's only to reveal the goodness of him. You know what I mean? It's our, you know what? Sometimes it's our embarrassment that brings us to a repentance. It brings us to wanting to be changed. It be, brings us to want to experience something. So I just honor God because we all are going to love each other. Everybody has to hug everybody before they leave. All right, because we're going to defeat the devil and anybody that's being weakened. Do you know what I mean? Because I want to hear everybody said, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Right. In the name of Jesus. All right. So let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let's just lift our hands. Let's just lift our hands and let's just thank the Lord. We thank you, Lord, with all our heart, our soul and our body. Lord, we just invite the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our ears that if we are feeling weakened, fatigued, um, persecuted, hated, um, anything that has to do with the oppression because of the good things that you are doing in our life, just strengthen us and help us to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Help us know that if you are asking us to change a way, to change a direction, we are open to hear it because we know that we just, the just live by faith and that by faith we can have an action that can produce a blessing in you. So, Lord, we thank you and we honor you. We lift our hands up to you and we just thank you with all our heart and we just lift you up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so now all I'm asking is everybody just hug everybody before you leave. So we, might as well, we should just do the lineup, right? Everybody goes down the line. Louise!